0: Welcome into to the Side Draft Podcast, Episode 2. We're going to recap the Daytona 500, preview some of Fontana, also uh, the SRX Series announcing some of its drivers for their upcoming races this summer, kicking it off at Five Flags Speedway June 18th. Big Moose, I am Drew uh big moose is going to be joining the podcast happy to have you along for the ride
1: pumped to be here man a uh, an exciting season to get this podcast going lots of changes nascar getting back to a full schedule in front of full houses and the new car which was really cool to see at daytona uh
0: yeah and we're going to dive a little bit more on into that as as you know it's interesting for everybody now we have this next-gen car, the some of the changes, of course, the performance of it. They went through testing all throughout the wintertime. Is there anything that, that you noticed or learned from Daytona about this car? I think there's a little bit. Um, maybe as far as it responds to wrecks, I think that was one of the interesting things that always comes into Daytona and Talladega is learning how the car responds.
1: You know, that was the biggest thing, especially watching the the duels on Thursday night was was the biggest thing you saw the the in duel number two with Joey Logano and how bad he felt about it, but just how how responsive these cars are you know obviously there's the bigger tires which means bigger braking systems these cars are handling so much more different they're moving so much more differently and they're not exploding when they're uh, when they're bumping into each other or hitting the walls they're kind of keeping our, themselves contained and uh some some of the the experts are even saying almost bulletproof which is kind of cool you don't see the debris everywhere you yeah. don't see them literally falling <laughs> apart like you would have the older cars
0: uh, yeah, and I think that in, it helps teams in a way as well where they, I guess they could have repaired Joey's car enough maybe to, that car was pretty bent in and they obviously went to the backup, but there were other cars like Harrison Burton's who was involved in in one of those accidents. They just, you know, put some final touches on it and got it ready to go. And, and he had one of the best cars early on in that race until he got taken out by Brad Keselowski. His name will come up a little bit uh, <laughs> later on in this podcast. And not, not necessarily the the... the the least aggressive driver out there on on the circuit. But I think the big story from the five hundred obviously is Austin cindric getting not just his first career win, but obviously that coming at the at the Daytona five hundred, his name, uh, on the Harley Drill uh, trophy. Your reaction to Austin cindric winning is what?
1: You know, okay, Austin Sendrick. Cool cool backstory. You know, being with Penske and and, you know, Roger Penske himself watching Austin Sendrick grow up. But honestly, if you were in any sort of NASCAR pool, if you were in any sort of fantasy lineup, if you had Austin Cendrick, great. If you had Austin Dillon, great. If you had Joey Logano, great. If you had Grala, great. If you had any driver that was in the lineup for the Daytona 500, you had a, you had a chance at winning the Daytona 500, quite literally, because any driver has a shot at that race, especially with this new car.
0: Yeah, and well, that's one of the things that I talked about on, on the first podcast is that this race is is such a crapshoot where you could have a guy like a Todd, Todd Gillen with Front Row Motorsports was up there in the top five until he was involved in one of those late accidents. That would have been pretty crazy. Back-to-back years with Front Row Motorsports, yep. car, cars winning. So, and, you know, anybody has a chance to win. And some, sometimes that that can be a little bit irritating for, for certain drivers. Um, Kyle Busch is called... Has not called Daytona a, a real <laughs> racetrack. He, he he thinks it's a little bit of a crapshoot, j- j- just like it is. But here's Austin Cindric in victory lane. Um, here's what he had to say after his victory.
2: Austin Cindric, that and that are yours. Can you believe it? No, I honestly can. I mean, can you believe it from when they changed my motor and my bandolero at the summer shootout? <laughs> Back in the day when you were seven years old, I remember that. I never thought this would happen. Did you? No, absolutely not. What an incredible day. Um, Uh, to be able to do this in my second try. I know there's so many drivers who've tried so long to win this race, and this race means so much to so many people, not just drivers and teams but race fans. And uh, to say that my name's on the Harley JRL trophy is uh – is, is, is pretty incredible. You know, Ryan did a great job being able to push me out on the restart. and I, I also think that it was probably his best play to win the race. And uh, once we took the white flag, I knew it was game on, and uh, a lot of runs were backing up to me, <laughs> and I was having to do a lot of lifting to to stay even close and knew, thought about the blocks I was going to have to throw off a turn four to make that possible. And I haven't seen a replay. I don't know what happened, but all I know is I won the Daytona 500, and it's amazing.
0: So uh, one of the things that we saw with those last couple of laps, Moose, is – the the fact that you know obviously you have to throw throw some blocking you get down to the last couple of laps you no longer have teammates this is the Daytona 500 I'm trying to win this thing uh, Ryan Blaney was was there late and had made a move and Cindric made made the block I think Ryan if you're a if you're a teammate obviously you're you're disappointed but
1: oh well, if you're an individual ha- you're disappointed if you're a teammate you know you've got to be thrilled for the organization but yeah there's sure. there's no doubt Ryan Blaney was was that close, and, and, and bumped out of the way by his own guy.
0: I think we feel, this. this comes up sometimes with Formula One especially, but even in NASCAR where teammates, how about teammates? You look at Fords working together, Chevys, Toyotas. Um, how, do, do you like that aspect of it in terms of the plate racing with Daytona and Talladega? And then when it comes down to the last five laps, it's every man's game.
1: You bet I do, because here's the thing. I want my driver doing that exact same thing. If my driver is Austin Cedric, if I, if my driver is going for the win, I want him doing everything he can to get that checker flag, to get that trophy at the end of the race. You know, if I am a 12 fan, don't get me wrong. I'm ticked off. I hate every aspect about it, but I want my driver doing everything he can to make sure he comes home with a victory.
0: Yeah, and, and it was interesting how throughout the race, they, they were talking about the inside line not having as much momentum as, as you build, or how you need more cars on the bottom line. The, the the top seemed to be the one that was consistently getting an extra push, but we saw late in that race, you get Eric Almirola out of nowhere, shows himself with 30 laps to go, and he's in the hunt. He gives Bubba Wallace a shove, Bubba comes up and gives Ryan Blaney a shove, and then Blaney sends Cindric out, and then that's where you have that gap coming out of three and four, where... It I is... thought that
1: was game over for for Austin Cedric right there when yeah. he got you know two three car lengths out in front. I thought that was game over for the two, and I thought he was just going to get shuffled out to the middle, and it was it was going to be either between Bubba Wallace, Ryan Blaney, or Brad Keselowski.
0: Yeah, I, I I thought that as soon as Ryan went went to the outside, it's Cedric. It, it seemed waited long enough to get into him because it, had, had he gone immediately, he would have gotten clipped and turned immediately as soon as that happened, but. Ryan got up enough that the quarter panel wasn't, it was a little bit towards the middle of the car as well, so Cindric wouldn't get turned around. Shoved him off a little bit, came back down. Bubba obviously went below the double yellow line, but it didn't matter because he didn't pass him. Uh, And Bubba ends up getting second. Brad Keselowski, though, um, very controversial driver, I think, throughout the course of his career. You go back to the Carl Edwards feud, where they literally seem to be going back and forth at, at each other and. Carl, uh, at the, at Atlanta flipped him and that was a little bit of a scary accident. Of course, Brad Keselowski, uh, flipping Carl and, and him going up into the catch fence at, at Talladega. Um, but here's Ricky Stenhouse, who's one of the drivers involved in the, in those incidents. Here's a, a thought that he had on, on Brad Keselowski.
2: I position all day really. And felt like we were really pushing people at the right times. And I mean, there was definitely spots on the racetrack. You didn't want to push or get pushed. And, uh, the six I guess found that out a couple times today so uh I guess just tried to wreck everybody in the field till he till he won but I guess his other car won that that he gave up so um kudos to him um you know for me I was just dude I was so happy with the way our race was playing out uh, obviously coming down to the end so many Fords behind us and I was just gonna try and hang on felt like it was a little too early to really need to get back to the lead right there off of, off of four. Yeah. Uh, you know, we had five more laps that I felt like we could have generated a good run and, and got back to the lead. I, I didn't think we needed to, to make it back to the lead there. So, uh, all in all, great day for us and and really uh, looking forward to the rest of the season. I think it – I didn't think – I thought we all pushed really good. You just can't push on the exit of a corner. Uh, he did it off of two to the 21 there, I think, uh, and then off of four for me. So, uh, just just wrong place.
0: And, and that's one of the things too. I think that we, over the course of of the race, have learned. We learn a little bit about these cars, but I think the general consensus: when you're coming off a corner, you do not push there. There's no, because assuming because when you're starting to strain that steering wheel, if you get a nudge, you you are completely toast.
1: Like it goes back to the days when they were doing those two car tandems. You remember when they had the switches in the cars and they could talk to each other out <laughs> on the track, and then NASCAR outlawed that. They'd take the green flag, and you'd see all these cars stopping and and lining up, and and everybody had their tandem buddies, and they knew exactly. I mean, you had cars overheating because they were riding that right quarter panel the entire way around the track. You just knew exactly what part of the track you could ride, but kind of what Ricky was talking about there as well. You can't win the Daytona 500 on lap 16 but you sure as heck can lose a Daytona 500 on lap 16. So, you know, it's it's all about setting yourself up for the best position to be there on lap 201 in this case. I think
0: that that's the hardest thing with these plate races is everybody's so tight. You want to make a move, but there's so much time where where we at Fontana, cars are going to get spread out. Mm-hmm. It's more of an, endur- an endurance type of race if you want to call it that where you're running your own race, and hopefully you put yourself in a position where your car is running well, you make the necessary adjustments so the last 50 laps can be yours or that final stage, whatever. With Daytona, everybody's so close, and the, the stages, the end of stages are, are freaking crazy. I think that that's one of the—part of the reason why NASCAR implemented those is just to create a little bit more buzz in the middle of, of the race for, for some of those casual fans who uh, who wouldn't be willing to sit through an entire 400-lap race or 200-lap race with the 500 case. But being patient is something we see, and it happens every year, Moose, where yes. <laughs> where somebody's impatient, they make a move, and we heard Harrison Burton actually come on the radio afterwards, after he had gotten wrecked, and say, come on, Brad, you, you can't push me through the corner, you know that. And then the same thing happened, of course, with Ricky Stenhouse Jr., and Brad, I thought this was funny, afterwards was said... I thought I was pushing fine. Of course, (laughs) you you thought that because you were involved in the accident.
1: Well, you also have to wonder, is is Brad almost trying to recreate a name for himself? Because this is the first time where he's driving his equipment. His name is on the ownership title, and he's trying to come out and and reprove himself not only as a driver, but also as a driver owner.
0: And he was talking about how it's nice to be in this spot where you get a refresh, you're able to help design the cars a little bit. There, there's a little bit that goes into the owner aspect that Brad obviously has not gotten before. And Tony Stewart uh, has had some of that when he was still racing with Stuart Haas. With um, success
1: at that. So. Yeah. And,
0: and, and the, and the RFK cars looked good in the duels. Of course, I think Chris Buescher has always been a solid plate racer. Mm-hmm. And if you go back to Ryan Newman, of course, in the six car always been a solid plate racer as well. So as far as their overall chances to compete for a championship, I don't think that they're in in that category. Do do, do you think that they're they're in that I think honestly, I think
1: Roush Fenway has the best chance of competing for a championship with the addition of Kozlowski as they've had it in in a long time.
0: Uh, yeah, it's uh, we, so last week I gave my championship prediction. I gave we're we're going to predict each race as we go uh, with with every single podcast again releasing on Thursdays. Who do you have winning, I guess, making the championship for or and, and winning the whole thing?
1: Gosh, and it's so tough just after the five hundred because there are so many great drivers in there. I can see Kislowski being in there in the top four. You know, and, and again, you know, with the five hundred being such a crapshoot, you know, you, you have Austin Centric. If if he continues to perform as well as he did in the five hundred. You know, he very well could be one of those rookies that ends up in the top four, and then you have your your you know regular drivers that are gonna be contending week in and week out, like the 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 Chase Elliott, like the Kyle Larson, like you know any of these other guys, like the Joey Logano's, you know, even sure. Kyle Bush and and quite possibly, you know, even uh, Bubba Wallace has that shot now that he's got a teammate in uh, in Kurt Busch.
0: Yeah, and uh, so. I, I pick Danny Hamlin because I think that, and I I say, I think it comes up every year. The only thing that is not in his legacy or on his record is a championship. He's got the 500s. He's won a ton of different races.
1: And he's been there.
0: Yeah, he's been there multiple times and has come up short literally every single time, which is it's got to be very irritating Um, knowing that Kyle Larson comes through. Oh, yeah, first championship. Chase Elliott comes in only a few years into his career and wins it. I think... Ryan Blaney is actually a pretty hot pick coming into the season to win the whole thing. I believe the NASCAR.com writers, two of them picked Chase, two of them picked Blaney. I, my, my hot take, if you will, is like Carl Larson's not going to be in the championship four. Mm-hmm. I think it is uh, Kyle Busch, it is Denny Hamlin, Ryan Blaney, and Chase Elliott. And I think Denny ends up winning it. Of course, it doesn't matter who comes second, third, or fourth, because if you're not first, you're last. But I think Denny Hamlin, it, I think he's able to get it done. Again, this is just a prediction. I might be dead wrong about this. But the, the the that is the way that things work. If you were to pick one champion, if you were to before the season started, let's say before Daytona even happened, who would you have picked to win the championship?
1: No, I I think I think you are are right on there with Denny Hamlin, but I I think Ryan Blaney is kind of that that hot pick as well, you know. He's he's had things kind of rolling in the right direction. And, and now I think just kind of with the evolution of Penske and, you know, if, if I had to look at it preseason, sure, we wouldn't know the success that Penske had out of the Coliseum, out of the clash in LA, you know, we wouldn't know the success that they had at the Daytona 500, but I think Ryan Blaney with a couple of seasons under his belt, I think he is, is kind of my pick right now to be your 2022
0: champion. Coming up next on the podcast, we're going to talk about Fontana and some of the things that we can look for this weekend to make our pick for a winner, as well as diving into some fantasy NASCAR talk. If you are are unaware, we have a NASCAR.com fantasy live uh, group, ESPN Pensacola group. You can come and join. Big Moose and I are in there. Jeremy also at the office is in, but it's free for anybody to join. Just come out and and make your picks and see what it takes if you can win win the whole thing and win the group this year. We'll have more of the Side Draft podcast next. So jumping into Fontana, this is a track we haven't been to since 2020. Had had it off the calendar.
1: 728 days since we were last at Fontana or Auto Club or California or whatever it is you want to call this track.
0: I think it technically is Auto Club Speedway, correct? I believe so. Yeah, it doesn't matter. They're there. And one of the interesting things about this place is that I think a lot of it's – I don't want to call it a cookie-cutter track because it's different. It's two miles there's a lot of speed at this track. What what is something that you're most looking forward to with NASCAR being back at Auto Club and also with this next gen car?
1: I'm looking forward to just the fact we haven't been there in two years, you know, because I'll I'll be hundred percent honest with you, Auto Club Speedway has always been a snooze fest for me. I have looked forward to this race because I can sit down on the couch with my remote in hand, <laughs> crank up that surround sound and catch some quality Z's while I'm watching the race at Moose Manor. But this year it's going to be different because there hasn't been racing at this track in two years. And we do have a new car that has the lower spoiler. It has the higher horsepower package. It's going to have that that uh, different bit of uh, downforce and I think you're going to see these loose cars dancing all over the track, and we're going to see a whole different style of racing this weekend, and it's going to make it fun racing.
0: And, it's not again, it's not just these rookies who are going to be adjusting. Michael McDowell said he was asked if he'd be able to help Todd Gilliland out at all whatsoever in terms of how to prepare for this track, and McDowell said no, not really. I can't help him at all next week. Um just because we i'm facing
3: the same challenges we have no idea what this next gen car is going to be like in california um you know this car in general uh, is a little bit harsher how it rides right it's and you know with the ride height limitations and and shock travel limitations and as rough as california was the last time we've been there it's i'm nervous about unloading and only having you know 15 minutes to figure it out so i don't think i can help them a whole lot um, and you don't really have a lot of time to ease into it, right? You got to go. Um, so, but I think everybody's in the same boat. Everybody's got a, the same challenges in front of them. Um,
0: so, so everybody is is in the same boat because you've got new drivers who have never been to Cup Series, like like Todd Gilland. You've got guys like Michael McDowell who maybe have to remind, have to remember how to race at this track. Then you've got a new car where you're still in the process of learning how it adjusts to certain tracks and certain surfaces. I mean, this is going to be another aspect to that storyline, Moose, where we have, as you said, the intrigue with, okay, we haven't been there in two years. We've got the new package. We've got the new car. The drivers are going to get used to this. The tire issues that Fontana has had previously, who knows what's going to happen when you put the 18-inch wheels on there. And then you've got this new format as well with practice and qualifying where there is a whole lot of new even though people are familiar with a track like Fontana,
1: it might be called practice on paper. It's it's a shakedown and it's a warm up to get your car set up for the qualifying session. He brought up a couple of good points there because this this qualifier this this practice session that he refers to. It's 15 minutes. You're going gonna to line up a, a handful of cars and send them out for 15 minutes and then call them back. Line up another handful of cars, send them out for 15 minutes, and then we're going to qualify them. And then we're going to take the top group of that one and then go qualify them for the top 10 spots. And then we're going to say, hey, y'all go race now. you know. So it's, it's definitely going to be interesting because they're not going to have quality time like they did in Daytona. I mean, if you think about Daytona, they had... A good bit of time to bring those cars out on track.
0: Three hours about it. Just
1: just leading up to the Daytona 500, not even including the test session back in August. And the test session back in, in, was it January when they were out there? But, you know, they had ample time at Daytona to kind of shake down these cars and make sure every single nut and bolt was right where it was supposed to be. And every single piece was doing what it was supposed to be doing.
0: Do you like it? The new format, or would you rather MC maybe get a happy hour of just straight up practice to work on setups?
1: I I kind of like it. I don't I don't I think opening up the season, I think that was good for Daytona. And the reason I liked it was because I'm a NASCAR fan. I had that T V on every time they were broadcasting some some cars on track just to see some cars on track and see what the drivers were saying. Now, the season has started, we're in week two I kind of like the shortened period of time. Now, 15 minutes, okay, that's going to get the the air on the tires and it's going to get everything warmed up. Do I think it's enough time? Not quite. Would I like to see maybe a 30 minute session where you just say, hey, it's a free for all, y'all go take care and and see what you want to do? Maybe that's something more like it. Do I like the fact that they're going to run a practice session right into a qualifying session? absolutely. I love that aspect of it.
0: I think it's interesting because if you, so obviously cars, certain cars get tuned, you know, cars get tuned up for qualifying, cars get tuned up for for the races, so with with a half hour, I think you have more time, okay, let's see what the race setup is, make the adjustments, okay, let's go out and, and put our hot lap setup out there and see what it does, and then we can adjust right before the qualifying. I'm with you, I like the idea of going straight from practice right into qualifying, and I like the fact of elimination, if you will, kind of like what Formula One does, where they have all the cars out there. They eliminate it down. Of course, they have three three qualifying sessions. NASCAR just has the two to, to get into the top ten. But it, it creates this sense of drama where you're not even looking to get first, second, or third. You're looking to just crack that top ten, make sure you're in. And it could come down to the very end of that, uh, of that, of that time where you don't quite get to the start-finish line in time, and you're 11th. Mm-hmm. Sorry, you're, you're starting 11th, and that is how things are going to go. Here's Christopher Bell on the new practice format. And he's actually somebody who really likes what the format is.
3: Yeah. That's crazy to think about This is my third year in cup, but my first year with um, full practice and qualifying. So it's going to be different, but it's going to be different for everybody. And, you know it's we got to use the word practice loosely because it's not a typical practice session where you're able to go out make a run come back into the garage make an educated decision on what changes you're going to make it's uh theoretically a, a hot lap session and i'm excited about that because it's what i grew up doing um in the dirt tracks all the time so the name of the game this year is going to be uh improvise and just try and do the best you can with what you got. So I'm excited about going out there having fifteen minute practice sessions, trying to make the, the best educated decision on your basically pit road adjustments that you're gonna have to qualify and go out there and get the best you can and uh and qualifying and same thing in the race. So I'm hopeful that this format's gonna suit my style.
0: It's interesting too, because we we talk about the, the old style of NASCAR where these guys would have everything that would be done would literally be done right in front of everybody on, on pit road or where, whatever the makeshift pit road was. We kind of get that aspect like Christopher Bella talked about where any adjustments you make, there's no time to go back to the garage. You literally have to do everything right on pit road. So as soon as you fix it, we're getting sent back out again, and I'm, and I'm learning more about this track.
1: And now I love what he said is go out there with what you got and see what it does. I also love the fact that what you got this weekend, NASCAR and Goodyear, giving them 12 sets of tires. You you were talking about this earlier with the tire issues, you know, and the discussion that is the tire issue, which my personal opinion, I don't necessarily think there is a major tire issue yet.
0: I agree. I'm with you.
1: If you look at the Daytona 500, yes, there were some tires that were impounded from a couple of teams. There were two drivers that had tires fall off that were both those drivers and teams were penalized, which means there were 38 drivers that didn't necessarily have a a, a tire problem at Daytona. A problem indicates that, you know, you're having a problem and I'm over here ignoring what's going on. You know, if there's a problem, NASCAR has been great with everything that's been going on with the tires and the Mm. new car going into this weekend. Goodyear and NASCAR giving each team 12 sets of tires so are you taking that 15 minutes and running one set of tires and raising hell on the track to see what that tire wear is going to be to see what that tire fall off is going to be so you can start planning your race or are you going to put in your your hot lap setup or Drew what are you doing
0: I I am I am the race person because
1: (laughs) because if you got the equipment like if you're
0: Kyle Busch or Denny Hamlin, you know you've got the equipment to, to run well, first and foremost. How how can I – it doesn't matter where you call, If If I can get a race setup that fits the track well, that I'm comfortable with, that I understand, if I start 25th, I'm able to turn laps and be able to catch back up. If I know what the tire is going to do, maybe I can save a little bit at, at the end of the race. So th- this is something that I think – Extra an, an extra fifteen minutes could prove to be a world of difference for for these guys. Where if you strictly are okay, I want to get the hot laps. I want to make sure that I can qualify in that top ten. I, I want to get, I want to be up at the front at the start. You might not be learning anything as far as tire wear is concerned, and you might get caught out in the middle of the race where you might have to come in a little bit early to pit, or you might have an, an incident where a tire gets blown, and then your your race is completely done. I would err on the side of of caution and, and maybe more conservative of, let me focus on the race qualifying. Sure, that's great, but I want to be the best prepared for Sunday as opposed to Saturday.
1: 36 cars going into this weekend, typically four, five wide going into turn one. I'm I'm so glad to be back on the West Coast and, and excited <laughs> for once to be watching a race at Auto Club Speedway.
0: Uh, yeah, I, I think that there's a lot that, that, that there's to love about getting back to the track. You you did mention two drivers having penalties, Kaz Grow in the 50 and then the 31 and Justin Haley. Four race suspensions for the crew chiefs and then two crew members um, suspended for two. Again, for the improperly in, in mount, 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 mounted wheels. And again, I think that might even be a pit crew issue where... They didn't, with the single lug, make sure you get the tire on. I feel like the, these crews, some of these pit stops are taking a little while because of, of issues getting the tire fully on or what have you. There's no more loose lug nut. If there's a loose lug nut, the tire's coming off.
1: So here's what I think the problem is. And if and if you look again at the Penske teams and the Roush-Fenway-Keslowski teams that had their tires impounded for the uh, the reaming that was done to those tires, these were thousands of an inch i mean we're we're talking the the total you know as much of a dollar bill you know yeah. look look at how thick a dollar bill is that's how much shaved off they the, were these seeing pin- tires.
0: It, it, it was like a pinhole essentially mm-hmm. yeah tiny you're
1: going from from steel tires with the old five lugs these are aluminum tires you know you think steel versus aluminum <laughs> Aluminum's going to dent and bend and and bang up a little bit easier. And you look at these these tire changers; they're 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 not petite guys. They're they're not little old Drew. <laughs> no, no, they, they are not me. <laughs> these these are full size former college
0: football players. Exactly. A lot of them, yeah.
1: They're they're full size linebackers that are are grabbing those tires, slamming them onto the side of a car, and then jamming that single lug into the middle. Now, any sort of bump dent, it's not going to get all the way in there. And you're going to get that false threading of that single lug getting in there. So while that tire changer may think, okay, we're tight, we're in, we're good, pulls off, you're now doing 192 down the backstretch at Daytona, and all of a sudden your tire starts doing one of those, and there goes the tire. There is your tire problem that, and and one of those crew chiefs is a veteran crew chief, for crying out loud, Tony Urey Jr., you know it's it's not it's not a rookie mistake yeah. it's not a it's not an underfunded team mistake it's It's a mistake
0: and I think it's something that over time we're gonna see they were saying that, that that these crews could get in sub sub ten second stops I didn't see a single sub ten second stop to my knowledge I think that over the course of time they're going to get better because the you know the crew members are learning as much about these cars as well as the drivers are and how they handle um that's what I think makes this so fascinating—the complete team effort for a car. It's not just the driver; it's the it's the crew members, it's the crew chief, and the calls that they make. We've seen races lost by crew chief calls. We, we we've seen mistakes made by crew members—don't quite get all all the lugs on, or they don't fill it up enough with gas, and there there's issues. We've seen drivers make mistakes. So the the idea of NASCAR—not that not that it's out there, but being an individual sport because the driver's face is on it—not necessarily the case so and i
1: I think honestly we will get to that point where we're t- seeing those t- sub 10 second stops with the tire eventually yeah but at the same time i'm not sure if we will get to that point per se because it still takes every bit of 12 seconds to put two cans of fuel in that 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 car
0: <laughs> and, and yeah and we saw that where the fuel was the thing that was lagging a little bit especially with with, with the fuel mileage uh, stuff is fuel mileage played in Played a role in that Daytona 500, and eventually, you know, all the drivers. There was nobody r- running out of gas with it. That last caution, of course, it helped uh, very much. So Kevin Harvick said it's going to be quote trial by fire <laughs> for for these next gen gen tires. I Kevin Harvick's an interesting spot, and I guess we, we we can take a brief moment before we pick our winners for for this weekend. Not very, not that great of a year last year at all. Didn't win, still is on that Terrible winless streak. Year. Stuart Haas Racing, I think, is in that. Is in that vicinity where you look at Eric Almirola and Kevin Harvick, they they did okay last week. I mean, Eric Almirola had the best finish, but Cole Custer hasn't necessarily fit the billing. He does have that one win, but hasn't been, I don't think, that that guy that maybe Tony Stewart and Gene Haas were thinking he could be coming in. Uh, there, there's a lot of question marks. I feel like with 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 the roster at Stewart Haas and just trying to figure out how they can get back to their prominence that they had when Kevin Harvick w- w- was win- was winning races. And, and I think this might not be a good comparison, but I kind of liken it to when Hendrick was a little bit off a few years ago mm-hmm. and Chase was running well, but not nobody else really was. All of a sudden, they, they, they figured out something, whether it was with the car or what have you, and all of a sudden, they're back up there in the top tens. Gibbs last year kind of was in that boat. Now the Gibbs cars look really strong and the Penske cars look look really good as well. But Stuart Haas is kind of the odd man out as far as the team is concerned. They are they haven't looked too hot over the last 36 or 40 races.
1: This really needs to be the year where they turn it around, especially with with the 10 car being on his way out. Eric Amarola is in his final year of cup car competition. You, know, you have the guy in Kevin Harvick, which has competed. He is a Cup Series champion. And then you have the two young guys in Chase Briscoe and Cole Custer. Yeah. Cole Custer who who are up and coming who are both talented guys otherwise they wouldn't have a cup ride at that cali- you know, of that caliber team right you know something just like you said needs to click something needs to happen you know whether it be you know internally in the team or you know maybe maybe it's something we've seen so many teams even mid season do the whole crew swap change you know, maybe, yeah, you're right about that. Maybe it's one of those where, we're, okay, we're going to try, uh, try pitting the 14 over on the 10 and the 10 mm-hmm. over on the 14 and just see what happens. That What's was what kind of did.
0: Yeah, that was, that was the same thing that Penske did last, last year with the crew members changed or the crew chief changes and all that, and all of a sudden things click well with new spotters or what have you, and, and things end up working out. Pick for this race, the winner for, for, for some reference, last time the race was ran in 2020, Alex Bowman was the winner, Kyle Busch has got a relatively successful history there. Kyle Larson likes to run it up right close to the wall. He's a guy that a lot of people, I think, uh, they, they enjoy watching Kyle Larson race because he's inches away from that outside wall. tricks Jr. also has won within the last three races there.
1: You know, I'm I'm going very Ford heavy this week, And actually speaking of it, Kevin Harvick traditionally has done well at this track. I've got Kevin as my winner. I've also got Chase Briscoe in my lineup this week. Ryan Blaney, I'm going to use him as my first pick in my, uh, my fantasy lineup this week. And uh, just because, you know, it is Brad Kislowski, I'm, I'm going to put him in my garage as a, uh, a just-in-case. Just case.
0: Uh, I think that the, 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 the cool thing about this lineup, for those of you who are unfamiliar with it but are interested in joining again the NASCAR, you download the NASCAR app or you can go to nascar.com. It's Fantasy Live. Uh, search ESPN Pensacola. Big Moose and I are in there, as well as Jeremy from our ADX Communications offices. But you you get 10 usages for these drivers throughout the year. If you want to use them in the first 10 races, you can, but you can't use them the rest of the year. And then this featured matchups of the week, Moose, is something I know you (laughs) wanted to touch on. This is a new part. Previously, it was stage winners and then the race winner, correct? And then also a manufacturer. Manufacturer
1: and team winners, yes.
0: And as opposed to now, it is... Driver versus driver, essentially. They go based on the odds. Uh, which,
1: which, these are fun. Yeah, these they are. These are a lot of fun because it makes you kind of, you know, really look at, at driver matchups, which, again, a week like last week, all bets are out. I, th- I think I went two out of four. I, I don't know. I think you may have gone two out of four as well. But it's it's a total crapshoot. You think yep. somebody who might do well, and they end up 38th. Uh,
0: yeah, as far as th- th- this week goes, I, I'm rolling with you. And, oh, man, I... If you look at the history of winners, Chevy and Toyota have been the two that have really dominated. I I think overall, manufacturer-wise, the Fords will perform better. I think in the end, though, I think Kyle Busch is going to win. Toyota is going to get the job done. I, I, there's something, to me, I, I don't know what it is, and I previously, I don't mind Kyle Busch now. I used to absolutely not be able to stand him for whatever reason. I think, though, and this is an interesting debate Careful, that we get that's into. That's my wife's
1: driver well, because he's the M M&M and M guy. Well, this <laughs> there Tell there my we wife picks drivers.
0: <laughs> <laughs> my, my my dad is the exact same way. My dad uh, works for Stanley. They sponsor Marcus Ambrose, Carl Edwards. So whoever it has got Stanley on the car, that, that that is my dad's driver. But I find it interesting too: good driver versus bad driver. What's good for NASCAR? Denny Hanlon has talked about this where. A lot of people can't stand certain drivers, but some of these feuds, I think, are good for NASCAR, where in, instead of being, everybody being buddy-buddy, there, there needs to be a little bit of, of clashing of heads, whether it be with Joey Logano and Denny Hamlin, or, or uh, Joey Logano and Chase Elliott, uh, Kyle Busch, and, and whoever it seems like at, at, at times, but you know Kyle Busch is good for NASCAR, Kevin Harvick in a lot of ways, and, and- Kevin Harvick and Chase, <laughs> I mean, that was wild last year, um, I think that was I was highly entertaining. I think it was awesome. Very much so. Because you, you obviously can pick your sides, and I'm a, I guess I, I would say I'm a, I'm a Chase Elliott fan. I, I enjoy the the whole family line of drivers. I don't know why I tend to gravitate toward towards those drivers, but at the same time, you, you look at what Chase did to at Kevin, and I'll be honest, like he probably didn't need to do what he did during the year, and and he deserved what was coming to him. Right. I, Kevin, Kevin was he, he ain't gonna back down. You know, th- th- this is not. Let me make sure your feelings are okay, and I'm just going to keep on driving by you. If I see you, I'm dumping you, and that very well. And could...
1: Drivers have said that yeah. there's no participation 100%. trophy. We're going out there for one trophy and one checker flag.
0: So I'm I'm picking Kyle Busch this weekend. He's won. Three times there, uh, all of them in Toyotas. Most recently in 2019, I'll pick Kyle Busch to win it. Who, who's a driver to watch? Maybe a dark horse, rate or a dark horse driver. Is, is it a Brad Keselowski for for you, or is, is there somebody else? I don't, I don't else?
1: think that's a, that's a dark horse driver. You know, I I think one of the guys that uh, I I I really want to see do well is uh, is Daniel Suarez. I yes. think track house Racing this year with you know with the acquisition. Uh, you know, over the off season, I, I think the 99 and the 1 both could do astronomical things this year. But I think it's one of those where is it too early or are they all of a sudden going to get hot and stay hot?
0: Ross Chastain coming over as well. He'll be driving the 1. And, and Ross, I think, is a little bit of a fan favorite driver as well. Plus, Daniel Suarez, I think, has gotten better and better. And I, I picked him last week in the lineup. Traditionally, he's been really consistent when a team like trackouts, you wouldn't think being a relatively new team would have as much success as Daniel was able to provide uh, and and produce a dark horse driver for me. Since you picked Daniel Suarez, I'm going to say Tyler Reddick. He's, and I don't even know how much of a dark horse he is, but he's a guy to me that I really think could surprise a lot of folks and maybe even contend to be in that championship for, if all works out well for him, because he's aggressive enough, I think to make things happen at the end of a race and he's a good enough driver that over the course of if he can just have some consistency, I think at times he gets a little bit inconsistent, whether it be him or or the team, where he'll have a couple top 10 runs or he'll be running up in the top 10 and out of nowhere have some sort of an issue and he ends up 27th.
1: You know, if he can figure things out outside of the mile and a half, he's going to be extremely dangerous because he does so well at the tracks like Charlotte and Texas. If he does well this weekend at a two-mile track at Auto Club or, or even figures it out at the places like Martinsville and Bristol, he is going to be the guy that does really big things in a short amount of time.
0: We'll have to definitely see as we follow in. Again, Fontana this weekend excited to be back at Auto Club Speedway out west. Again, that race will be on Fox. You can catch it on Sunday afternoon. Up next, the SRX Series. Has announced some drivers who will be participating. Uh, what, who could be some NASCAR drivers that may participate in the SRX series this year? Again, they're opening up their second season right here in Pensacola at Five Flags Speedway. We want to give Five Flags some love, and we'll definitely be out there that weekend and watching the SRX series. More on that next on the Side Draft podcast. So the SRX series, I think th- th- this is the big piece of news, moose that we got. Obviously, you know Five Flags has had the Ar- Arca Menard series. The the East series is back again in March and then we've got the Snowball Derby of course as always but SRX announcing that they are going to be here at Five Flags to kick off their second season Tony Stewart and Ray Evernham co-founding this this league if you want to call it that or the series last year a lot of cool things to like about this series all the cars exactly the same it comes down to the drivers and the drivers only it's very quick uh Veteran drivers, some of them current, Chase Elliott appeared, H- Haley Deegan appeared, some of these other IndyCar drivers came through, and some younger drivers as well, like Ernie Francis Jr., uh, who will be driving in the Indy Lights uh, series th- this year as he changes his uh, career path from NASCAR to, to IndyCar. But there's, so there's that, but there's also the fact that CBS is carrying it. It is a national TV presence for Five Flags. Tony Stewart uh, essentially called Five Flags one of the best short tracks in the country when the press release came out. So having Tony Stewart say those things, I think it, it it brings nothing but good hub for Five Flag Speedway, and there's obviously a lot of hub for it anyways with the Snowball Derby and other drivers in the Cup Series or in NASCAR's Top 3 Series participating in it.
1: Well, I, I was going to say, you look at the history of Five Flag Speedway, everybody loves to race here with the Snowball Derby. You've had so many names that have come through here and so many names that have won here from much higher levels to have, you know, the, the national television audience that's going to be set up in our own backyard is super cool. And, and in their second season, SRX was, was so much. I grew up being a Tony Stewart fan. You know, I was a a Dale senior fan and then when he passed automatically transitioned into being a Tony Stewart fan. So automatically I became a fan of the SRX series so you know why wouldn't you be super excited that they're going to be right here in Pensacola? Uh,
0: and again, that they've also made made a video game with it as well. I, I don't know if you knew that. So if you, I don't know if they'll make a new one, but if you don't have iRacing and you want to race at Five Flags, you very well could have the chance. Um, I'm hoping for the update. <laughs> Do so. Yeah,
1: I'm hoping they, that they might, don't necessarily that might be the easier come way. up with with a new right. game, but they send out the the DLCs for it is what I'm pulling
0: for. Do you have?
1: I, I the don't game? yet. And I, now I that I see Five Flags Speedways it is, is in there and, and knowing the capability of video games and it's like they can just pop that new track in there. It's like, come on, bring it.
0: I'm getting in, in, into I, I want to get into iRacing a little bit as well. Of course, you have to have a certain setup for that stuff, too. But Five Flags, you're able to ra- you're, you're able to drive on there as well. It's the most realistic simulator, if you want to call it that. You pop in a wheel and those rigs you're good to go. are insane. Yeah. Denny really...
1: Hamlin has one. What did you <laughs> say it cost him? Like fifteen thousand dollars.
0: Yeah. It, 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 yeah. <laughs> I, I, I I wish I, I had the money to be able to, to get a rig like that. But a couple of the drivers have already been announced. These coming from the the IndyCar series uh, more than than anything else. No stock car drivers have been announced. But as far as IndyCar participants in SRX 2022, Paul Tracy, there last year, he'll be in all the races this year. Also, Tony Kanon will be at Five Flags. Not participating in all the races, I don't believe, but he will be here at Five Flags. Elio Castro Neves will not be at Five Flags, but he'll participate. Marco Andretti, I believe, is participating in all of them. Joseph Newgarden, he will not be at Five Flags uh, either. He'll just be racing at Nashville, I believe, which is his hometown. And then Ryan hunter ray one, one of the nicest guys you're ever going to find, um, will be in all of, of the races as well, I believe, for this SRX season. So a lot of IndyCar presence. Um, NASCAR drivers. Ryan Newman, no longer, or at least right doesn't have a full time ride at all. Is a free agent, if you will.
1: And still, he's just, uh, hes such a brilliant driver. He
0: still loves to race. Probably a- anything. I could realistically see him coming into this series and being all—all all about it.
1: Mm-hmm. He well, he's got an engineering degree. Could you see him and Ray everingham shaking <laughs> down these cars week in and week out these small tracks?
0: That'd be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> no, nothing better than that. The, the, the old Purdue grad and uh, and Ryan Newman. Um, So Tony Stewart, obviously, with that stock car background, IndyCar background as well, if you want to call it that. But the one thing that's ironic about this, out of all the weeks of the season, June 18th, right here at Five Flags, is the only off week that the Cup Series has that, that NASCAR has got. So that being said, is there a possibility that we get a Chase Elliott coming in here? Is there a possibility that we get a Kyle Busch who's raced at Five Flags before? Kyle Larson wants to race everywhere. Christopher Bell potentially as well.
1: I was going to say, when it comes down to Kyle Larson, I, I told you earlier, give him a steering wheel and four four tires, and, and the guy can race it.
0: <laughs> I think that any—I uh, don't think Five Flags needs that extra publicity, but having this series here, I think, is actually a really big deal, just from a, a national scope, because you can watch the Snowball Derby on, on Flow Racing or what have you, but this will be on CBS National Channel. Anybody can watch it. It's Five Flags Speedway in Pensacola. Maybe there's people who, for some reason, live here and have no idea Five Flags even exists for whatever reason, or they're new to town and they love they they, they love some racing and and want to come back to a place like this.
1: So when it comes down to that series in Five Flags Speedway, who do you have as the ringer?
0: Oh, it, it's got to be Bubba Pollard.
1: I, I agree okay, with I, you, I, but I, let me let me throw something out there for you. Okay. Just as a what if, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull everything from the universe here. <laughs> all right. He's a relatively local guy, and as you brought up, it's an off weekend for the, the Cup Series. What if Bubba Wallace were to show up?
0: I was going to say, he, <laughs> that would be him. And then also, well, Eric Almarillo is from Tampa, but he was I believe he was born in Fort Walton Beach, or he grew up in the Fort yeah. Walton area, if I remember correctly. So he's local-ish, but Bubba Wallace for sure. The The, the crowd it would draw alone I think is going to be awesome. Um, it'll be snowball derby esque, maybe even a bigger crowd in, in terms of fans trying. You're to, not going to be able to, to, to move on Forrest forest. That oh yeah, <laughs> um, bubble walls would be pretty awesome. I think you know, I feel like a lot of these NASCAR drivers would say, "Well, why why not?" You know, I, I think that that might be the mindset, especially for a guy like a Carl Larson, where he has said previously. He feels like he's lost when he's not driving a car. So, essentially, you you, you throw him in that car and he's going to be down to do it. I feel like a lot of these other drivers will say, you know what? They're doing it. Shoot. Especially why why with, not?
1: Especially with the new mentality at uh, Hendrick Motorsports. I mean, you have Jeff Gordon in there as the vice president, who's now encouraging. I mean, it, it was it wasn't really, you know, put off per se, but now you have Jeff Gordon who's encouraging his drivers to – go out and, and explore and do other things, you know, go, go check out the other races, you know, and, and Rick Hendrick himself has said, you know, do it with caution. You get hurt. I'm going to have to find somebody else to put in your car, but you know, go, go out and expand your brand and, and make it bigger and, and bring the fan base back to NASCAR.
0: So I'm looking at the schedule. Now the weekend before is at Sonoma. The next race is at Na- at, at a Nashville. Not too far? No. Why not come down? We have a direct
1: flight from Pensacola to Nashville. Not that that any of the Cup guys need to fly southwest from Pensacola (laughs) to Nashville, however.
0: Why why, why not come on down, and then you'll be able to go right up. It's not too far of a drive for the next weekend's race at at Nashville Super Speedway. Well, that's going to do it for the podcast today. Uh, For Big Moose, I'm Drew. A pleasure having you on, Moose. I'm looking forward to the rest of the podcast throughout the rest of the season.
1: It is going to be a fun season.
0: Every single Thursday, you can catch the podcast Wherever you find it, it'll be Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, uh, wherever you want to find it, wherever you like to listen to your podcast, you'll find the Side Draft Podcast right there. We'll catch you next week for another episode of the Side Draft Podcast.